you know, I've been in this industry on the exhibition side for over 30 years with Regal and United Artists and was always a huge supporter of event cinema because I saw it as being incremental at that point. But when you start looking at it now, you know, here's how I look at it with Fathom. We look at literally thousands of pieces of content on one end of the spectrum that never make it to the big screen. And then on the other side, you've got your tent poles that always make it to the big screen through your major studios. And then we service this nice area that's not competitive from a Windows perspective. It's not competitive from a streaming perspective. And there's all kinds of opportunities in that little space right there. This is the Box Office Podcast. I'm Daniel Luria, the Editorial Director of Box Office Pro, the pulse of theatrical exhibition since 1920. This week, we are joined by Rebecca Polly, Deputy Editor of Box Office Pro, and Jesse Rifkin, Box Office Analyst at Box Office Pro. And in our feature interview segment, we will be speaking with Ray Nutt, the CEO of Fathom Events the leading event cinema distributor here in the United States. He's going to be giving us an update on how the event cinema market is doing and some of the projects that Fathom Events is tackling in the coming weeks and months. Of course, we've got the release of The Chosen, the episodes one and two of the third season coming out in wide release from Fathom Events this weekend. That faith-based title is already doing very, very strong pre-sales. But before we get into a pre-sales conversation, we also have weekend actuals coming in from Disney and Marvel Studios, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, with a $181 million opening weekend. But guys, before we get started, uh, new week. What did you guys catch over the weekend? One of us must have at least seen this Black Panther sequel. I did not because I'm a little ashamed to admit it, but the idea of opening weekend in Manhattan, full crowd, like I might see it after work today. I'm not sure I'm ready for the intense craziness of it. I need a little bit of breathing room, but I went to my local cinema, The Nighthawk, which is a pretty close walk. And they have every once in a while, Grady Hendrix in the city who runs Subway Cinema. It's a group that promotes exhibition of Asian films throughout New York. He does a little surprise Hong Kong film. You don't know what it's going to be. Uh, this one was something called In the Line of Duty 3. And oh, my holy God, I loved it so much. It was just lots. It was it's part of the, quote, girls with guns genre. So that's a different genre altogether. Jesse, I'm hoping you saw this movie. And if you did, where did you see it in D.C.? I did. I saw it before opening weekend, actually, at an advanced screening on Wednesday night, about 24 hours before it actually premiered. Yeah, the audience was super into it. There were one or two cheering moments. They were dead silent during a moment during the opening five minutes, which I won't spoil, even though it's the opening opening five minutes, but you'll know it when you see it. There was a moment when they were dead silent, even though the theater was packed. Really great screening. People really seemed to, to like it. I myself would say it was, I would rank it a little bit below the original Black Panther installment from 2018, but I might be in the minority there. It actually has a slightly higher average user rating on IMDb right now than the original installment. Well, I'm glad at least one of us saw it here in the podcast because we do talk about the biggest movies that come out. I was on the other end of the release spectrum here. I was at the Denver Film Festival over the weekend, put on by the Denver Film Society. I was on, I was part of a jury in the competition there. I got to see of the highlights that I saw over the weekend was women talking from director Sarah Pauly 
fantastic movie. Really, really great film that's coming out on December 2nd from United Artists. Highly recommend it. You guys know I don't really follow the awards season conversation, thank God. But if I did, I'd probably include this movie as part of all that. But let's talk about the movie that already did come out, that at least Jesse saw and apparently liked it enough to not have walked out of. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Guys, it was a $181 million opening weekend domestically. Overseas, that figure was $150.3 million for a global opening weekend of $331.3 million. Domestically, the movie was out on 4,396 screens. It posted the number four in theater average of the year. And when we look at it, a comparison here, it's only what, Jesse, 12% behind the opening weekend of Black Panther that came out in 2018, was it, or 2019? A little bit even milder than that, about 10% behind. Now, even though sequels usually make more than the originals, this is a little bit of a tough one to judge because, again, the lead star Chadwick Boseman wasn't back. It was really difficult not only to get this movie made, but to market it. You're making a Black Panther sequel without Black Panther and without the star power of Chadwick Boseman. It was always going to be a challenge. So when we look at this box office result on opening weekend, only being 10% behind domestically that opening weekend for the first one, I think we can all walk out of this with a smile on our face. Jesse, can you go over those audience demographics here in North America? Yeah, 52% male to 48% female. So pretty close to 50-50 there. Also, 63% were ages 25 or older. Disney did not break down the opening weekend demographics by race, which might have been an interesting number, at least at my screening, as you might expect for a movie called Black Panther with a primarily black cast. It was definitely a primarily black audience. I don't want to judge nationwide demographics just based on one specific showing, but it would have been interesting to see the opening weekend numbers broken down by race. But Disney did not provide those. And of course, when we look at those numbers, as we've been tracking since we came back from the pandemic, premium large format screenings have been hugely important for these type of films. Rebecca, what are the PLF results that we have so far for this title? They are, as expected, pretty good. In the domestic market, premium formats comprise 34% of the total earnings. Something that stuck out for me and the info that we get from IMAX is they've said, we're keeping it in IMAX through Thanksgiving. In some cases, it'll stay in theaters into December. You know, you can really tell that part of their strategy, they're banking on those premium audiences and probably banking on audiences to come back and see the film in multiple formats. In terms of audiences coming back to perhaps see it again, the original Black Panther has the second highest multiple of any Marvel film mm. at about 3.46, second only to the original Guardians of the Galaxy at about 3.53. So what a high multiple means is that audiences were coming back, word of mouth was good, the film was still making money into its second, third, fourth, fifth weekend and beyond, instead of being front-loaded. You might see the same thing here. I'm planning to see the film in Screen X. I mean, it did debut in over 780 Screen X screens worldwide. You know, I saw Top Gun Maverick in theaters in that Screen X format. I had a great time doing it. It's something that I think is really coming into its own aesthetically. I'm not sure too many titles have that. It's kind of like motion seating, right? We're Early on, motion seating needed a little bit of time for people to get used to it. And by this point, 
You know that horror movies are going to work really well in immersive seating. You know that the Fast and the Furious movies work really, really well with motion seating. I think panoramic screens like Screen X and Ice Theaters are really finding their footing right now in the market. So great numbers here as we're looking on the PLF side of things. Internationally, Jesse, $150 million from 50 markets Neither Russia nor China part of this, making this, I think, a bigger feat when we look at these numbers. Who is leading the chase here in terms of the international markets? It's doing well in the UK, where it's earned a 15 million so far, France 13.7, and Mexico with 12.8. Yeah, good triptych of markets right there, UK, France, and Mexico. Usual overperformers when we look at these Marvel titles in theaters. And in France, it might not have come out at all. Yeah, well, that's a great point. Remember, we were covering this and our French colleagues over at Box Office Pro France were updating this conversation. Disney was threatening to say, hey, maybe we don't put this in theaters if we don't get the terms we want in the pay TV window here uh, with the new chronology loss in France. Fortunately, it came out and French exhibitors were able to cash in. That will not be the case, as Rebecca notes, with Disney's next animated title, Strange World, which is foregoing a theatrical release in France to instead go on the Disney Plus service. Let's call it what it is, a petty protest on the windowing loss, hurting exhibitors so someone can make a little bit more money on the home entertainment side. How that makes sense, I have no idea, but hey. Everybody needs their bonus, no matter who it affects in the industry at large. So let's move over to some circuit records here that we got over the weekend, guys. Rebecca, AMC reporting some very, very strong performance off this title alone. Yeah, over the weekend, they got 4.9 million moviegoers from that Thursday to Sunday corridor. That's every movie, not just Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, though, of course. Those ticket sales were the bulk of them. Fourth highest attendance weekend from them in 2022. Fifth highest since the reopening in 2020. You know, I love my concession. I got to, you know, kind of shoehorn this in. They actually did set a domestic record on Saturday for the most F&B sales in a November, like ever, in their entire 102-year history. So, Now, here would be an interesting question. Two weeks ago on the podcast, Daniel, you interviewed the director of a new movie about food called The Menu. Do you think food and beverage sales go up for movies that are about food, like a Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory or The Menu? That's that's a good question. But actually, as you bring that up, Jesse, Cinepolis here in the U.S. is hosting special screenings in their dine-in theaters where they are bringing a special menu for that title, the menu. And we also know that our colleagues in a lot of dine-in cinema chains also have special menus tied to specific films and drink specials. I think it's a cool quirk. But yeah, I think in terms of what helps drive concession sales, people filling those seats one showtime after another. And we were looking at the showtimes here for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, just dominating most of the marketplace in North America, if not the world. Cinemark, another multinational circuit that saw a lot of benefit from those ticket sales. Rebecca, that circuit also had some records. Yeah, like AMC, like North America as a whole, it was the chain's biggest November opening. CEO Sean Gamble specifically pointed out that premium formats were a big driver there. Not giving specific numbers, but citing D-Box, ScreenX, and Cinemark's own proprietary PLF format, Cinemark XD. A stat that really stuck out to me, though, if you look at opening weekends, Black Panther Wakanda Forever actually made more at Cinemark, taken as a whole than the first Black Panther did, which I think is a real testament to the way that the company has 
grown and really put effort into firming up their brand. Yeah, and again, it's worth noting that it made more at Cinemark than the original installment did, even though the sequel overall made about 10% less than the original installment did. So that's doubly impressive. But it's fantastic to hear news that the major circuits are doing well with this title, especially coming into a bit of a lull, I think, from here up until the release of James Cameron's Avatar, The Way of Water. So for the coming weeks, we're really going to be busy looking at those expansions from limited releases, what the platform titles end up gaining in terms of screen count. Very important, not only for art houses, but I think for the rest of the industry to have a balanced schedule. And we do have an update here from one of those platform releases. Jesse, Steven Spielberg's The Fablements from Universal Pictures came out this weekend in platform release. What was the performance of that title? Superb. We mentioned earlier that Wakanda Forever had the number four per theater average of the year so far. Well, The Fablements was only one spot behind it at number five. That's right. Two of the top five per theater averages of the year so far happened in the exact same weekend. You don't often see that happening. Yeah, The Fablements was in four theaters in uh, New York City and Los Angeles, making about 161K. That's about 40.2K per theater, a little bit behind uh, Wakanda Forever, which is about 40.9K per theater. And the number one is still everything everywhere all at once. I don't really see anything beating that one in terms of pro theater average this year. What a success story. Yeah, really, really special, I think, for the industry to have an original title like that. Breakthrough, it became A24's highest grossing film of all time. And that's an example of having that diversity in the schedule, Rebecca. It's something you always bring up. It's great to have these blockbusters. We don't want to talk about $700 million movies all year. We need a little bit something else. Because when we see what happens when suddenly those $700 million movies aren't coming out anymore and it's <laughs> scary, scramble. Yeah. So, original IP, uh, independent cinema, more art house cinema, and event cinema, which has done really well with just going at a whole bunch of different genres and verticals from concert films and actual, you know, kind of fan-friendly movie events like with Clerks 3. Daniel, you spoke with Ray Nup for this week's feature interview, CEO of Fathom Events, and they have had some really, really great luck with faith-based and inspirational programming lately. Yeah, and they have, I think, their big blockbuster of the year, The Chosen, the first two episodes of season three, coming out in wide release through this event cinema engagement on November 18th. I think we're all excited to see how that turns out in the market. And it's something that I think all event cinema distributors are doing very effectively, coming in and making sure that theaters have enough to offer all of their audiences in these off weeks when we don't have a cross-quadrant blockbuster coming out. So it's a great conversation with Ray Nutt that is coming up after the break. Jesse, Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us here on the Box Office Podcast this week. Fathom Events is the recognized leader in event cinema and one of the top distributors of content to movie theaters globally. At Fathom, our slate of offerings include live performances from the Metropolitan Opera, iconic cinema releases with TCM's big screen classic series, top grossing documentaries, award-winning anime films as part of Studio Ghibli Fest, and a full offering of faith-based programming. Featured events on the horizon include the debut of Season 3, Episodes 1 and 2 of the hit series The Chosen, the story of Longfellow's famous poem, I Heard the Bells, and the pivotal documentary, Johnny Cash, Redemption of an American Hero. Fathom is your go-to partner for a successful event cinema experience. Go to fathomevents.com for more details. 
And we are here with Fathom Events CEO, Ray Nutt, joining us now here on the podcast. Ray, welcome. It's uh, good to be with you here. Fathom Events is now coming out of, is it the strongest September you guys have ever had as a company? And Yeah, September was our strongest month. It was our strongest September ever. And it was the second biggest month that we had in the history of the 17 years that Fathom's been in existence. So it was a great, great time for it to happen too. As you know, commercial product wasn't real strong during then. So the inventory was available. We brought great content to the table and an exhibition really welcomed us with open arms. Let's talk about event cinema coming out of the pandemic. How is the sector doing First of all, and then secondly, how's Fathom Events doing in relation to that macro picture? Yeah, I think uh, uh, macro-wise, I think Events Cinema is is uh, coming to its own. Business started off as a Monday through a Thursday business, and it started off with one or two play dates and maybe one or two show times. That type of thing. It's really evolved and it's coming to its own. I think coming out of the pandemic, you know, we had an acronym here at Fathom that was called HOPE going into the pandemic. It was the health of our employees was important to us. Optimism, we needed to stay positive. Uh, persistence, we needed to, to continue on a constant basis. And then Excel, that was what the E stood for. And that's what we're in right now is that coming out of the uh, pandemic, we're probably going to just about double our 2021 revenue in 2022. So we're doing very, very well. I think the industry in general, the event cinema industry is doing very well. And um, we're going to finish the year very, very strongly as well. So uh, 22 is going to be a great year for us. We'll probably end up on a, compared to 2019, like everybody else compares themselves to that last healthy year, at about somewhere between 70 and 75 percent of 2019 numbers. So, yeah, that's a recovery, I think, alongside the pace of the rest of the industry as we all try to get back on our feet. And part of that is innovating. Part of that is trying things out you know, in this new paradigm of theatrical distribution and exhibition. For the first time ever, Fathom Events is taking some of its event cinema programming internationally. Let's go into that because I think this is a big, big step for Fathom Events as a company that we've always known to be a leader domestically. But internationally, as you know, event cinema is extremely competitive. What led to that decision and what have been your early insights into that experience? Yeah, you're right in that uh, Fathom has traditionally been a leader in domestic distribution of event cinema content. And I think, you know, you have to look at growth opportunities, and that's what we did. We sat down as a leadership team and we said, we're doing a really good job domestically. Where are those opportunities out there? And of course, international surface uh, first and foremost. As you know, AMC, Cinemark, and Regal are our owners, and they have international assets, but it's mainly from a competitive uh, standpoint. I think when you're looking at acquiring content in this day and time, you know, the world is getting smaller and smaller. And so in order to acquire content, uh, you have to be competitive in the international market. So yeah, we're taking like, for example, the chosen to several English speaking countries, UK, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. And, you know, we're uh, dipping our toe in the water. It's going very, very well so far. And by the way, you have to be very, very smart about acquiring content and getting the international rights to it because not every territory around the world is going to perform the same. So we're very, very selective in our research in terms of where to take content internationally. 
Now, if we look at those affiliates that you guys have added on, it's not just the international side. I think overall, it's been over 400 partner theaters that you've added since coming back from the pandemic. What has led to that growth and what does that growth look like from a geographic basis? So we have about 1,100 theaters that are on our proprietary network, our satellite network called the Digital Broadcast Network, DBN, and it goes to about 2,200 screens in those 1,100 theaters. I was just speaking about the growth opportunities for us. One of the other growth opportunities was to go out and say, well, you know, for a piece of content that is going out, not over the network, but through DCPs, which we do distribute a fair amount of content through DCPs, obviously all you need is a a digital projector to accept the DCP, just like a regular movie. So we identified uh, so far about 400 different theaters that do not have our network, and we've come up with a program called DCP Only. It's been accepted extremely well. I can tell you with The Chosen, we are going into a massive amount of theaters that are not on our network, they're DCP. That's being distributed, that particular film via DCP. So it's been a real opportunity to go into underserved communities. It's been an opportunity to go into communities where we have our network there, but there are theaters out there that want our content. So it's been all incremental and to be a little more flexible to allow theaters to participate with our content outside of our network has been uh, been wonderful. Now, in that experience, you also have to look at what has worked on screens and what hasn't been working. What's your balance? Uh, What do you make out of the sort of content that has been working for event cinema partners versus the ones that really aren't performing as much right now? If you look at that, what's interesting is Fathom is positioned very, very well from the standpoint that we have very diverse content, as you probably know. I mean, anything from the arts with Metropolitan Opera and MT Live, other arts product that we have, we have sporting events, we have original programming, anime, classic movies, goes on and on and on. And the beauty of that is during my tenure, at least, I think even prior to my tenure, Not one of those, not all of those categories, I should say, will perform at the same level. So, you know, it's good not to be a one-trick pony where there's just one or two categories that are out there. We've evolved the company so that there's a vast array of diverse content and verticals that we go after. So this year it's been faith. I mean, if you look at probably 20 to 25% of our revenue this year, it's going to be in the faith and inspiration area. And that has just taken off like crazy. So that's uh, always been a promise, I think, for commercial distributors, right? Faith-based, faith-based. It's really tough to crack. And we've seen some examples from mainstream distributors, some titles, but it seems like Fathom through the event cinema model, it's really well positioned as opposed to say, a three-week-plus theatrical run by advertising it, right? A good example of that would be, uh, for example, we just came off a run with Lifemark, and Mm -hmm. uh, that was with the Kendrick Brothers and Kirk Cameron. They produced the picture, and it's a fantastic picture, but, you know, the Kendrick Brothers do pictures, you know, historically, like Fireproof and so forth. If you look historically, all of their pictures have done between $30 and $70 million dollars. So we looked at that and then we looked at, you know, we had a relationship with Kirk Cameron where we've done a number of different events with him. And we said, let's go out with this for kind of a limited distribution. So it was like five days that we went out with it. And there was a ton of holdover. I think it held over for something like 20 days or 30 days or something like that. But it did over $5 million for us. And in the event cinema space, that's 
you know, that's, those are pretty good dollars. That's pretty good revenue. And, you know, just as importantly, I think it was a picture that moved a lot of people. And that's very important to me, both personally and professionally, that not only are we selling a lot of tickets, but we're educating, entertaining, changing the lives of people with content that we put on the screen. And that certainly was the case with Lightmark and certainly the case with the Chosen messengers last Christmas and it's going to be the case with the chosen here on Friday when we go out with uh, the chosen season three episodes one and two and we've also seen a lot of the groundwork that event cinema has done in certain genres like anime specifically now growing into wide release anime used to be something that you'd see in event cinema here and there now it's something that every studio is fighting to get these sort of titles and open them wide to 10, 15, 20 million dollars. How has that genre evolved as studios are now getting into the anime game? It's no longer a specialty product. It's a wide release game now. It's funny because, you know, having previously worked with Funimation and Crunchyroll, which now has been acquired by Sony, that's where you're seeing a lot of that content come from. So you know, it's, what's interesting about, we joke about this internally, we sort of joke about it and we sort of don't, because what ends up happening is that in some cases, event cinema companies and Fathom specifically proves out a business model with some certain kind of content and, and other folks kind of look at it and say, huh, you know, well, <laughs> that, that works. Uh, maybe we'll uh, make this into something much, much bigger than, than event cinema. So but, I, you know, anime is a great example. We still have a great relationship with uh, G-Kids. We run a festival every year. We just came off uh, the festival this year, and we got a uh, picture coming out called Evan Jellion with them, who, which is going to pr- produce some very significant ticket sales. So, you know, the anime crowd, they just keep coming back and back and back. You know, you bring back these Spirit of the Way titles and Howls and different other titles that we have out there. They just keep producing a million dollar plus every single year. So it's a gift that just keeps on giving. <laughs> now, talking about the future and some of the titles you're bringing, we know the Chosen's on the schedule. We know your pre-sales are doing fantastically well there. What else do you guys have from here through the end of the year? Maybe you can give us even some Q1 sneak previews if you've got those on the schedule, because Exhibitors right now, coming off of the opening weekend of Black Panther, up until we've got that James Cameron sequel in mid-December, they're looking at those gaps. They're looking at seeing how they can strategically put additional content to get moviegoers back. What can Fathom offer them? So uh, toward the end of the year, we're, we're going to, like I said, finish strong. We've got The Chosen, as you said, so we talked about that. That opens this Friday, November 18th. We've got an interesting picture coming up, and a timely picture coming up, called Portrait of the Queen. It's about Queen Elizabeth and the photographers that had actually photographed her you know, during her reign. And it's very insightful. That opens November 30th. We've got uh, pre-sales for a picture called I Heard the Bells. That's opening up December 1st through 4th. That one is selling very, very strongly. We're bringing back the 40th anniversary of Dark Crystal. That's coming up December 4th and 7th. One that I'm excited about, and anybody that attended uh, CinemaCon saw a fairly significant preview of the trailer for Johnny Cash. That opens up December 6th, 8th, and 11th. A story about redemption with him and a very, very interesting story. I mentioned even Jellion that's coming up. Uh, that's December 6th. We're bringing back Conan the Barbarian December 12th. And, uh, <laughs> just went on sale with t- 
I'm already excited. I didn't know that was on the calendar. I'm going to get those tickets now. We're doing our first picture ever with Sony Affirm in conjunction with them in the faith-based area with a title called 5,000 Blankets. And uh, that's going to be released on December 12th. Oh, by the way, we just launched our 16th season with the Metropolitan Opera. So that is in full swing right now. And so you'll see that running for the rest of the year and then into the spring of 2023 as well. And then we're going to camp off this year with around the holiday season with It's a Wonderful Life. Everybody knows that story. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people were asking me, will people really get off their couch because it's on TV? Will they really get off their couch and come to a movie theater and see it? And boy, our pre-sales on that would say absolutely yes. <laughs> Looking into 2023, kind of a project I'm excited about. you got a number of different films and IP that's uh, coming into the public domain right now. And one of those is Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. You've seen some of the success that we've all had with mm-hmm. horror pictures that genre and that is no different with this one and we did a lot of research on this there's a lot of chatter online with this and that one is going to be released february 15th and coincidentally or not coincidentally we will be going on sale on friday the 13th january 13th (laughs) i love talking to companies that can release the chosen and then a couple months later, Winnie Pooh, Blood and Honey. That's what I love about this industry. It's about making sure you have something for every different demographic. That's what this industry is all about, making sure we can get moviegoers back in, no matter who they are, no matter where they are, with content that appeals to them. I have to tell you, Daniel, that's the most fun part about this uh, job and this business. And I have a super, super team that loves to hop out of bed every morning and uh, tackle Winnie the Pooh and then do a performance of the Metropolitan Opera the next day. (laughs) (laughs) There's no better double feature, I'm sure. Ray, while we still have you here, I wanted to close out this interview asking you about the future. You know, since I started covering this industry, conversation about event cinema has always been in the context of potential. It has potential. Are we there yet with that potential? Is that potential realized? Or what are we looking at in the coming years? Because VPFs are a thing of the past. And yes, we have challenges like the gaps in the calendar from the studios. It seems like we might be turning that corner with this sector. Is that the case? You know, like I said before, event cinema was a Monday through Thursday, limited number of play date show times, and it really has come into its own. You know, I've been in this industry on the exhibition side for over 30 years with Regal and United Artists and was always a huge supporter of event cinema because I saw it as being incremental at that point. But when you start looking at it now, you know, here's how I look at it with Fathom. We look at literally thousands of pieces of content on one end of the spectrum that never make it to the big screen. And then on the other side, you've got your tent poles that always make it to the big screen through your major studios. And then we service this nice area that's not competitive from a Windows perspective. It's not competitive from a streaming perspective. And there's all kinds of opportunities in that little space right there. And so event cinema has come into its own with that. And I think if you look at the ideas that keep coming, you know, can we do something episodic? If you recall, we did, we brought back Friends 25th anniversary um, a couple of years ago before the pandemic. That thing did great business. So it's coming up with these ideas 
that, you know, Betty White, we were doing a uh, birthday, 100th birthday celebration with her. And unfortunately, she passed away just before that. So we had to pivot and do a celebration of life. It's coming up with these kind of creative ideas that fits into this space that's going to continue to see the event cinema industry just grow and grow and grow. So we are there. We're turning a corner. We have turned the corner. And I think the sky's the limit for it. I'm looking forward to it. And I know a lot of her exhibitor colleagues are as well. Ray, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. My pleasure, Daniel. Have a great day. And that about does it for this week's episode of the Box Office Podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Ray Nutt, the CEO of Fathom Events, and our co-host for this week, Rebecca Polly, Deputy Editor of Box Office Pro, and Jesse Rifkin, Box Office Analyst at Box Office Pro. The Box Office Podcast is produced by Box Office Pro in collaboration with the Box Office Company and Record Edit Podcast. Don't forget to rate, subscribe, tell your friends that we're doing this. Every bit of support matters so we can continue bringing you new episodes every Thursday. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week.